Hello and welcome to Switzer TV Investing. I'm Peter Switzer. This program goes out every Monday night on our Switzer Financial Group YouTube channel. On tonight's program, we're going to be talking to Julia Lee from Berman Invest and Michael McCarthy from CMC Markets. Now, I've asked them to look at stocks that they've recommended recently and the ones that they think have legs into 2020. So we're trying to look at those stocks that have got that potential to have a really good 2020. Then I've got Michael Gable from Fairmont Equities. And Michael is a chartist, a very good technical analyst. And I've asked him to look at the S&P 500, the ASX 200, and a number of other companies like Woodside, BHP, and a few others. And we'll see what he thinks is the potential for these sort of companies, looking at the charts and what the charts are actually saying. And then with Westpac in a whole lot of trouble, I've got Paul Ricard to look at the four big, big banks, as well as Macquarie, to see whether the banks are actually a contrarian play going into 2020. So without any further ado, let's go to Michael McCarthy and Julia Lee. Well, it's that time of the year we're getting close to the end where 2020 is the focus. So I want Julia Lee from Berman Invest and Michael McCarthy from CSC Markets to look at some of the stocks they've liked recently and the ones they think will have legs in 2020. Well, if they want to give us a brand new one for 2020, we're happy to buy that as well, guys. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Pete. All right, uh, Julia, do you want to kick off with something that you have liked that you think is going to roll into 2020? Yeah, look, Telstra's been one that's done well in 2019. It's actually... Having <laughs> no, no. She, she really <laughs> recommending Telstra? I think at the right price. And look, it, it is a stock that has rebased really well in 2019. We know it's got the lower dividend, still has a yield of 4.5%. And in particular, before, uh, before franking, yeah, so okay. that's not grossed up. Yeah. But what I like about companies is when you get a new product or a new strategy or a new ma management, that can be a trigger for greater revenue and mm. a change in direction in terms of the business. So an extra up step. And in Telstra's case, I think 5G is going to be the new product that um, where it has first mover advantage, but also gives it um, more revenue streams. Mm. So we don't know the capabilities of 5G, but I think that we will be getting more products in our home because of the internet of things. Mm. And I think that's going to be a good thing for Telstra. I once talked to a former CEO of a very well-known telco company. I think he's reflecting upon when 3G came. And he said, one thing I knew was, I didn't know what 3G was actually going to deliver to my company. It was just blue sky. You know, he said, we, we had something that we said to the market, but we, we really didn't know the full potential. I guess 5G fits in the same category. Yeah, and the other thing is, you know, at the moment we have NBN, but if 5G starts to get traction, then we could see some discounting by the NBN Co in the wholesale mm. market, and that could be another positive lever for Telstra. Okay, Michael, what do you think of Telstra? I don't like it. Do we ever agree? Lightning does strike. Now you both agree with A2. And you both agree with O-Media that had a fantastic round. I reckon people watched our show and went out and bought. <laughs> the upgrade helped, didn't it? Yeah, it did help a lot. <laughs> yeah. Go on. And news on A2 uh, again today with the CEO stepping down after yeah, 18 months of the help. Yeah. Interesting move. It, it seems reasonable. It's quite clear there's been an internal discussion about growth versus margins. Mm. Uh, and the recent announcement that they were uh, looking to haul in some of the costs and improve the margin. 
I think was taken as very good news for the market. That's what sort of go from twelve to fourteen dollars. Uh, so I'd say the, the net result of this is that they've had an amicable parting of the ways. Mm. Uh, Ms Hadliska has said that she wants to, given her other responsibilities as head of Tennis Australia and on a number of other boards, mm. uh, she doesn't want to do the travel required to expand the business. Yeah. And, and that's a fair call. You know, we all have a balance to make. So uh, A2 was hit hard today, traded down to 13.55, but it bounced back before the close to trade just below $14. Mm. And I suspect that the opportunities to buy into stocks like yeah. A2 with the growth profile that it's got are going to be shorter and, and the former end. CEO or has come in to take her job? Jeffrey Babbage has oh. And he's got pretty up. good form on the board, isn't he? Yes, there have been five CEOs before Miss Hudliska mm. uh, and he did a very capable job. Well, all of them have done a very good job, let's face it. This yeah. has been an extraordinary growth story. Yeah. Um, so, yes, it's in capable hands. Whereas okay. for me, it's a bit of a red flag. You know, Ooh. there was such a hoo-ha um, yeah. around that new CEO coming on board and all the company uh, stock that was attached to that. So to, you know, only last a short amount of time in the, the role, I will put an extra discount just in case. So mm. for me, it's a red flag red flag. Mm. Um, but look, A2 is at a stage where it does need, I think, that extra investment for that growth. So I think long term, the story is intact. However, mm. in the short term, I'd probably be a bit wary here. Okay, let's go to the one that you like, Mark, that you've mentioned in recent times that you think will roll into 2020? Well, the one that's under pressure at the moment. I'm sticking with Costa Group, Peter. Mm. I like that pure foods theme for the longer term. I'm holding it myself, Manny Superfund, so declaration of best of interest. Mm. I took up the recent uh, placement mm. uh, and I'm sticking with that one. They've had a very difficult time. No two ways about it. The share price has reflected that. It's yeah. got a bit of a red mark next to it in my portfolio. Yeah. But uh, nonetheless, I like the story long term and I, I back management to turn this one around. Are you also reading long uh, term weather forecasts as well? Hoping for a break in the drought? Oh. <laughs> it's hard enough to predict the market, <laughs> <laughs> the weather. But, but, but they would be suffering from the drought. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so it's been sticking the cost of group for 2020. Absolutely. Julia? I don't agree. Yeah. <laughs> um, only because, look, um, it's really we hard to. These people didn't agree. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and when they do, when they do agree, that's when we go long. And look, it's good to have both sides of the coin and get a, a balanced picture. Uh, I like it when Michael doesn't just doesn't agree with me because mm. then I can see a bigger picture and mm. more angles. Um, but he look, also wants to gig at the conference next year because you got this. <laughs> yeah, he just wants. A bit of competitiveness. <laughs> okay, go on. The, the conference was great, by the way. <laughs> Excellent. Pleased to hear. Yeah. Um, only because it's really hard to um, pick those turning points in downgrade cycles. I mean, we've seen it with Costa Group. We've also seen it with Speedcast. We've seen it with Fletch Building for a number of years. Mm. And, and at some point it comes, but it's very difficult to know whether that's six months down the track or a year down the track or two years down the track or in the case of Fletcher Buildings, you know, three years and we're still waiting for mm. a turning point. So I prefer after the actual turning point has mm. occurred um, mm. rather than jumping in while the downgrade cycle is mm. happening because I'm not good at um, picking when those turning points mm. are. One that has had a fantastic turnaround this year is BWX yeah. in the skincare market. Um, and some of the things so I look BWX, for... BWX, it's a beauty uh, Beauty, product. yes. Well, it's the organic skincare, so it's got silicon, um, uh, I don't know how to pronounce it, but andul and dallow, which it, um, uh, it bought Did in it the US, nourished, nourished, well. um, nourished that life. young girl, um, young lady who created that was basically tapped into mums and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And she, and the, uh, over at Manly Way or something like that, I think she won the Telstra Business Award. And I know Maureen, my wife, was on the, 
the Businesswoman of the Year awards. And it's a fantastic story. It was a surprise. She was saying, and it was a fast-growing story. And I shop on it because you know we are worried about what the ingredients that go into mm. skincare products. So to get um, skincare that's safe, even yeah. for our kids or ourselves. Um, it is a website that that I shop on, and the beauty Mackie, industry is a great industry. Of course, he does. Look at look at my beautiful face. I do not know this stuff. And he's sweating it out at the moment as well. Absolutely, it's hot in here. Okay, so so it's BWX, and you really like like that for 2020? Well, I liked it for this year and look, um, that's one of the ones that has turned around quite a bit, but look, I think the beauty industry has some good um, yeah, trends yeah. behind it and I don't think too. that's going to stop. Yeah. I mean, the two industries that I'd love to get more exposure over is beauty and esports. I mean, two areas of really strong growth globally, but hard to get access to on the Australian market. Okay. So you got a view on, on a beauty product? I do not. <laughs> <laughs> I can't help you with that. Yeah, sorry, no, I, I wish I did, but go on. But uh, what I do like, though, is oil search. And once again, this is long-term holding for mm. me. I think we're getting a much more rational discussion about energy needs. And while the world will transition over the coming decades towards more renewable sources, in the meantime, we need dependability in energy. Mm. And in a carbon-constrained universe, I think gas is the answer. Mm. Now, I've been waiting for the world to come to this point of view for some time, mm. Peter. Uh, and oil search is hanging around around $7, so mm. it's looking okay for me, but I suspect that given its um, reach uh, and the development and the new project in Alaska, uh, it's going to be one of the stars of 2020. And OPEC over the weekend kind of implied that oil production is going to be restricted, which would be good for oil price, which should be good for the gas price as well. Absolutely. They're all tied together. The yeah. energy complex moves together. Yeah. So uh, that three-month high in oil prices is good news for gas producers okay. as well. Now, you recently talked about EML. You want to talk about that? Do you still think it's got oh, yes, for Oh yes, yes. So um, one of the things I look for is price momentum together with earnings momentum. And this is a stock that will probably see the revenue um, more than doubling over the next two years. Mm. So I like to see those fundamentals in place together with the price action. And I think EML will be included in the ASX 200. Is mm. Bellamy's coming out? Another stock's going oh, in. I'll yeah. just have to double check on that which one. Which is always good for added lift. Yeah, isn't it? which is always good when you're looking at a small uh, stock going into a larger index because you get the, the passive investors which you need to buy in hmm. to the stock as well. So I like EML's growth story. Um, uh, and I think that and acquisition. And that's sure does it do it for our viewers who've never heard. They of do prepaid cards as well as you know if you win at the races you can put the the money on the card or gambling companies, mm. um, and you know sports betting is a big area of growth over in the the US. But they've recently bought another company over in Europe um, where you can white label banking and financial services too. So yeah. given we're seeing um, you know so many fintech companies, I think that's going to be a huge market, and it has been a big market. It's been growing at around about 30%, I think, in that business okay. and should continue to do so. Right, you got one for the road, Michael? I'm struggling a bit, Peter, I must admit. Uh, uh, I the, 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 the problem for me is valuations at the moment. With the market near the all-time high, I'm finding it harder and harder to find stocks that I like. There are plenty of good businesses out mm. there, I just don't like to share Okay, prices, one, one company that's copped it recently is WBC, Westpac. Should people take a punt that it's going to get a <laughs> rebound before the <laughs> dividends paid in February? Oh gee, I find that hard to see, Peter. Mm. Um, there's clearly big issues here. And, and I think that light pay product uh, is a real red flag because it appears, and I could be wrong about this, but it appears that it was designed to get around the regulatory requirements mm. in the space. You just can't do that sort yeah. of thing, as the AMP has found out. So, And are you I'm worried concerned. about the size of the fine? 
I, I don't think it's... Well, certainly there's going to be substantial fine. No two ways about that. In the hundreds of millions of dollars. These estimates in the billions, I think, are a little fanciful. Mm. But it's the work that needs to be done to build the systems to deal with the issues that really could slow down Westpac. And I prefer any of the other big three mm. to Westpac. For me, the, the time again into the banks is when the markets start to price in interest rate rises. rises yeah. um, it's really hard in a falling interest rate environment. And then together with the capital controls um, that the that New Zealand mm. is going to bring in, uh, which means that they're going to require more capital, and then you know the fallout from the Royal Commission and then the Austrac. You know, it seems as though everything is coming mm. um, through at once. Okay, one last one before we go, and this is totally a stock without notice, but you probably have a view on it. Is Blackmore's? What's happening there? Is it, is it coming to go down or go up? Because I, I think brand-wise, it's probably one of the best brands in that space. Some people like Swiss, but I think Blackmore's, is, to me, is always a better, better product. But Swiss is a great marketing exercise. What do you guys think? Uh, I'm not a big fan mm. of uh, Blackmore's. There's a $200 um, stock at one yeah, I just think you need to mm. see a lot more investment to gain traction in China, which is the major mm. market for it. And it's large competitors. Um, they've been spending up big. So I think to get that market share and get that growth, it's mm. become a lot more competitive and expensive in China. Yeah, Mike? I'd, I'd agree with that mm. view too. Uh, I think there is a good solid underlying business here with mm. the uh, local distribution, but growth is what uh, the market is looking for, mm. and I see uh, plenty of hurdles for Blackmores in getting that China business going. Mm. So, uh, I wonder if Marcus has been sending Christmas cards to uh, Christine. Come back. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> she did a great job, didn't she? She did, she did. That's Michael uh, McCarthy from CNC Markets and Julia Lee from Berman Invest. Well, I always like it when the charts actually measure up and support my optimistic points of view. Now, I'm not quite sure how Michael Gable from Fairmont Equities is actually thinking at this point in time, but he has agreed to look at a few charts and a few stocks that I'm interested in, and let's just see what he's found. Mike, thanks for coming on the program. Thanks, Peter. So, um, tell us about um, your overall feeling for the stock market in 2020. We're actually quite optimistic. So. We're, tomorrow we're going to release our outlook for the market, mm. um, but the net result is that we think 2020 will be a good year for the market. Mm. So um, I think if you're still in the recession camp, you really need to move on from that. Mm. Um, you know, yield curve inversion, that's, you know, that was a story from mm. a few months ago. Mm. Um, what we've seen in terms of PMIs coming out of the US is potential um, troughing in, in economic growth. So mm. we think economic growth globally will pick up next year. Um, similar to 2016 and usually when you see uh, growth trough that's when you get the most explosive moves in the market so mm. we think next year could be a good year in the market the mm. US market in terms of the S&P 500 that's already started to move mm. um, and in terms of our market um, obviously it looked a little bit dicey in early August but we've had a lot thrown at it except the kitchen sink and it's actually held in there fairly well mm. so it's had plenty of opportunity uh, to roll over and it hasn't. Is so. that a good plug for Reliance uh, worldwide? There's, there's a company that's in the plumbing industry. It's had a struggling time. Well, you're trying to give us a bit maybe, of a... Maybe, maybe. I should have asked you to do the chart on Reliance. Yeah. Okay. okay, let's start off with the S&P 500. Yep. We've got the chart on screen now. Yep. What, what are the important points that people should be seeing? So I've, I've thrown up a couple of um, blue lines on the chart here. Mm -hmm. So what I'm trying to show is the fact that after a great start to the year, the S&P 500... Um, 
managed to hold in there, consolidate the move, uh, and then several weeks ago it broke higher. Uh, and even the events of last week where the market dropped for a couple of days, I mean, you, you can't even really notice it on the chart, on mm. a one-year chart. It's not really much of a move. Mm. Um, the market bounced back quite strongly, so in my opinion it's showing good buying of the dip. Mm. I think it's flushing out a lot of the weaker hands, and I think the, the US market will continue to okay. uh, push higher. If it was a shock where Trump said, no trade deal, mm. tariffs go up, would you have to, you think the market would, those charts would change, do you think? Uh, potentially. I mean, we had the news last week that um, you know, there might be issues with the trade deal. Mm. And yes, the market comes back for a couple of days. But I think, so trade deals, yes, it is a risk. Um, but if we're just talking about the odd tweet, I think mm. that provides an opportunity okay. because the underlying fundamentals, uh, in my opinion, for the US economy look fairly strong. Yeah. And your reference to PMIs is critically yeah. important. Let's go to the Australian market, the S&P, yeah. S&P 200. So our market looks a bit messier. Mm. Um, we're lagging behind the US at the moment. So. What I'm trying to show with this chart is the fact that we're still in that consolidation phase. So mm. we've still moved sideways over the last, well, I guess, since, since July. Mm. Um, again, that's not a bad sign. I think it's a good sign because when you think back to all the recession talk in August, we've mm. held up pretty well. Um, and the diagonal line on this chart shows that our market's been making higher lows. Mm. So we're ready to, to really kick on. Um, and I think again, that next year will be a good year for our market. Okay, so you looked at a number of individual companies. Mm. You've got Westpac, because that's interesting, because yep. it's got a bit of a clobbering. What, yeah, West, Westpac, I think, is an opportunity um, at the moment. So in the last few days, I've been buying it for, for my clients, but on the proviso that I don't want to hold it for the next dividend. So I think the mistake a lot of investors make is um, they buy it at levels such as where it is now, mm. Um, and they wait for the dividend. But if you go back the last few years, you'll notice that these stocks tend to drop off about a month before the dividend. So what I found is with the big four banks, whenever they get clobbered and the yield rises to over 10%, including franking, mm. they tend to get scooped up. And what I'm showing on the Westpac chart uh, today is if you have a look at the far left, um, I've circled the February low and the low in December. Mm. So it's gone back to, to those levels. Um, the squiggly line at the bottom shows um, the momentum measured by the RSI. It's showing that it's heavily oversold. Um, whether it goes down another day or two in the next couple of days, I don't really know. But mm -hmm. it's right in the zone where I think for the next few months we could potentially get um, a, a greater than 10% bounce in Westpac. And then I'll be out of there. Okay. Woodside? Woodside. So that's, that's going to be my pick for, for next year. So mm -hmm. I like BHP and Woodside, but in terms of Woodside, um, coming back to our thesis that next year will, will be good for markets, economic growth uh, improving, that's good for energy stocks. Um, at the moment, there's a lot of focus on what's happening with OPEC, but if you also have a look at what's happening with um, US crude production, that's been dropping all year. Um, and a lot of these um, oil producers in the US are, are under pressure. So production is, is, is dropping, it might trough uh, this month, but it tends to lag the oil price by about 10 months. So I think that reduction in production is going to lead to an increase um, in the oil price, but mm -hmm. it'll take the producers about 10 months to catch up. So um, I think oil can do quite well, at least for the first half of next year, mm -hmm. and I think it'll creep <coughs> up on a lot of people. So I think that'll be quite the surprise, and, and I think Woodside's a great investment for a lot of our viewers because, you know, we don't need to pick um, some tech stock that trades on a triple-figure P 
PE. I mean, Woodside, uh, I think we get some good growth out of it because of the oil price. It pays a good dividend yeah, and it's, it's obviously blue chip. So okay. I think that's a good investment. And you mentioned BHP. Um, BHP for similar reasons in terms of what we're seeing with global growth. Um, that'll flow through to commodity prices. Um, one of the other uh, factors we looked at for our um, strategy note out tomorrow is uh, the ratio of base metals to precious metals. And that's been declining over the last couple of years. Gold's had a pretty good run up until the last few months. Um, but base metals are also at those levels we've last seen in 2016. So they'll tick up. So for early next year, we recommend not being in gold um, and seeking base metals. And obviously BHP um, is the easiest way to achieve that. So the chart I've got with BHP here, that's a, a monthly chart. Mm. Um, BHP is a good trading stock. So this time last year, we were talking about BHP low 30s to 40. Mm. Did that. Now we're back in. And I believe BHP can rally to, to the mid 40s. Good stuff. Michael Gable, as always, great seeing you. Thanks. Michael Gable is from FEMA Equities. And if people want to access that report, when, when, how can they do that? Yeah, if they go to fairmontequities.com um, and sign up to a free trial of our research, mm. um, they'll be able to access that report, which mm. is due out tomorrow. Excellent. Thanks for joining us. Thanks. Well, we've been talking to Julia Lee and Michael McCarthy about uh, Westpac, so I thought we'd get Paul Rickard in. Paul's usually got a view on banks, and we'll, we'll go through the, the main banks to see if they're buys or sells or holds. Paul, uh, what do you reckon about Westpac in particular? Look, probably Westpac would be my uh, preferred bank at the moment. Really? More than I think it's probably had all the bad news, uh, and it's historically very cheap to the Commonwealth Bank and cheaper than the National Australia Bank. Which when you look at multiples, now the Commonwealth Bank is, uh, is trades at a premium to the other three banks. You think and it's best of breed though? Well look, it is best of breed in the sense of market shares and also technology. Mm. And it's been the most successful of being able to drive earnings uh, and, and not get, you know, it's just the most agile of the banks. And so that's why it's, uh, you know, it, it, it still commands a premium. That premium has gone up a lot in the last couple of months. Mm. I'd say almost like a bank flight to safety type is with what you've seen as people have sold out of Westpac and also the National Australia Bank and ANZ, they put money into, into CBA. So it's, it's almost back up to sort of very heady 30 to 35% premium to the other mm. banks, which is, which is pretty unusual. So uh, as a question without notice, but you roughly know this dividend yield for CBA? CBA is down about five and a half, Westpac's at six Before franking. Yeah, before franking. So, so, so look, a CBA is priced I won't say price to perfection because no. that's still a pretty attractive price yield. to imperfection. But price <laughs> to basically, you know, in terms of banking speak, it's it, the, there's been, all, as I said, a lot of money has piled into CBA, gone out of the other banks. So I think Westpac is sort of look. I don't think the market's going to turn around and say we love Westpac in the next couple of months. It's no. not going to happen, right? No. Obviously, the whole Austrac thing's got to play out. We've got to see what the fine is. They've got to appoint a new CEO, Peter. So that's mm. going to take some months, yeah. and uh, yeah, that could it'll need to catalyst like that before it'll get a, a re-rating. So it, the market is not going to re-rate Westpac quickly, but I don't think there's a lot of downside compared to the other banks. Okay. The dividend yield would be high, mm -hmm. but does it run the risk of a dividend cut? Look, I think it's already signalled that it's 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 it, it cut its, its interim dividend, and I think it's already has signalled that it's going to cut, um, sorry, cut its final dividend down to uh, 80 cents. 
I think the market's now factoring $1.60. That compares with $1.84 last year. So you, know, you can already see in my number of 6.5% close to it, that's a $1.60 dividend next year. Uh, I don't think we're going to see a further dividend cut, but um, look, time will play that out. It depends, I guess, how much yeah, collateral damage there is from this whole thing. And you, you think a lot of the banks need to cut costs out of the bank, you? Well, look, I think there are, there, let's look what, what, what are the catalysts for getting a bit of an earnings re-rating. Now, the first one is obviously credit growth, right? Mm. Now, there's not much credit growth occurring, and if anything, the banks... Ha we had a bit of a mini credit squeeze last year when APRA went way too hard, yeah. uh, particularly the home, home loan mar mortgage market, and, and banks like Westpac actually went backwards in the last quarter yeah. because lower interest rates go, people are repaying <laughs> their mortgages yeah. faster than they're writing new ones. Yeah. So Westpac, in fact, all of them actually, their books went backwards Household a little bit. responsibility wasn't yeah. good for bank profits. So we need some credit growth. So that, that's a possible catalyst. So if you think that the economy is going to be do better, mm. um, I think that could be a catalyst. Uh, interest rates going up. Now, we're probably not going to see interest rates um, uh, go up in the, in the short term no. here in Australia. But look, maybe a slight steepening of the yield curve might help. Maybe yeah. would have influenced from the US there. I mean, I think mm. we're starting to see better data in the US. So mm. maybe the interest rate fall. Look, the market, I still thinks we're going to see an interest rate cut and that's sort of holding it back. So yeah. we if we took a cut off the agenda next year in mm. February and March, that would be a positive. Uh, and then thirdly, you know, so that's on the earnings side, you know, stronger credit growth, maybe, you know, stable or slightly improving near possible. Mm. The big opportunity for banks is still on the cost side. Now, that's hard when they're spending so much money on compliance, mm. right? And they're having to spend <laughs> yeah, a, a trackload. Right. Yeah. But the bank who gets the cost agenda right will be the winning bank. And mm. probably at the moment, Combank is still looking like okay. it's, it's in front so, there. But you like Westpac because it's been bashed up. So there's probably I like Westpac because it's been bashed up. Yep. Okay. That's why I'm under Westpac. Yep. NAB? Look, NAB, um, I think could be a could-be bank. It's going it, to... New CEO, Ross McEwen, just started. Mm. He's getting Baines mm. in there to do a report. Now, Baines will take three months' cost. X oh, millions of dollars. Man. You can imagine what that's going to do. They'll come back with a whole shake-up. There'll be a lot of... So we're going to see a new National Australia Bank. Putting that strategy in will take time. But that might... NAB might be the bank to back for a sort of mm. more two to three year view rather than the next few okay. months because okay. you can see where they're heading. Just as now Westpac is going to get a new CEO and that's going to take some time and presumably the new CEO will come in and, you know... Yeah. Do what a new CEO does, which is clean out all the old rubbish yeah. and, you know, Blank work out the old CEO and get on with the game. Yeah. Uh, ANZ, I think, is the most problematic because I thought they had that chance. Yeah, you liked them and I did like them and I thought Shane Elliott was the most advanced in yeah. getting that stuff done. But he hasn't, I don't think he's done a fantastic job. Yeah. Plus, the New Zealand stuff, look, that some of that risk is gone, but that overhang still is an issue for the ANZ. So I'm less inclined to the ANZ. I'm, I was very disappointed with the ANZ report. Mm. Let's go to Macquarie because it's a big yep. bank. It's not in top four, but it's fifth bank, and it's got a pretty good track record. It's it? a great track record, <clears throat> and I think uh, you know it's, it's one of those stocks. It's a bit in the CSL category. Mm. Should that be a core stock in a lot of portfolios? I'd say it probably should be right because mm. it is one of the true. Yeah, you know, if you had to say which companies can grow in Australia, CSL's demonstrated it, Ramsey's demonstrated it, Cochlear's mm. demonstrated it. Um, and you've got to say Macquarie's demonstrated yeah. in the financial side, and, right? And the US strong jobs number and the fact that, as Michael Gable um, has talked about in this program tonight, the PMIs are starting to improve in America as well. If America grows strongly, Macquarie is leveraged to US Yeah, Macquarie, Macquarie is far more leveraged to uh, growth than perhaps to the other banks. The other banks need credit growth. What mm. Macquarie needs 
is good equity, buoyant equity mm. markets, so that helps its sort of trading business. But it also needs that for its infrastructure and its funds management business yeah. just to keep things ticking along, you know, keep people wanting to do deals, sell assets, mm. all the rest of the stuff that Macquarie does really well. So the last thing Macquarie wants is, a, is, a, is, a, is an economy which is globally slowing economy. Mm. So a slightly more buoyant US and stronger Europe will help Macquarie. It's more than 50% of its earnings come out of Australia. So mm. when we talk about, you know, CBA, outside of Australasia, Australia, New Zealand, it's about one or 2%. That's mm. the same with the other four banks. Um, Macquarie is, you know, over 50% coming outside Australia. So it's it's the most geared to, um, you know, a stronger global economy. Yeah, it's two years about 4%. Yields about 4%, but look, great track record of increasing dividends. Now, they've said this year's profit's going to be down on last year, but that was exceptional, but their first half was pretty strong. Um, it's, it's much more an annuity business, so although it's geared to this stuff, Macquarie's a bit like CSL, under-promises, over-performs. Right? It typically does that. It's yeah. very good at that. Um, and so I think, you know, the market's sort of probably got some expectations, but a lot of people walking around in portfolios would have, you know, a couple of core stocks. Mm. CSL is in that category, and I guess Macquarie is probably in that category too. So I guess if you're a contrarian, and you gave yourself a two-year view on your analysis, banks not a bad investment? Look, I, I'm scared about being short banks. Now the market is, you know, everyone will tell you bank earnings are under pressure, you know, why would you be in a sector which is going to face challenges, won't be able to increase its, its uh, mm. can't increase revenue, you know, bottom lines are going to be under pressure. Fintechs. Uh, fintechs, all the rest of the stuff that's, that's coming. That's what the market tells you. And it's been the, you know, like, a, just to give you the, the data, it's been the worst, not the worst performing, but it's underperformed 2019, 2018, and 2017, yeah. right? So it's it, it's true had, from its and, and, and all 2016 was, was average. So it's had four, four fairly bad years in relative performance. Now, we all know what tends to happen. Sometimes there's mean reversions, one theory. So things that keep on, all, don't always go bad forever. Eventually the market says it's mm. cheap. I'm scared to be short banks because I think they're cheap. Mm. I also can see what the market thinks. So, but I think the deal itself uh, is going to keep support there. So uh, mm. institutions aren't buying, so that's the downside. But I think, you know, there is some value there. Westpac got cheap enough uh, and that's in my value side. So you're banking on banks? I'm banking on banks a little bit, Peter. Yep. But That's you know, I'm a banker, so what, right. what would you expect? That's all right. That's Paul Rickard on banks.